Good evening, church. Several weeks ago, we looked at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and we learned that God uses all uh, sorts and kinds of trials in our lives to develop us in impatience and to forward our growth in Christian life. God can take circumstances that you don't ask for and that I don't ask for, and He can use them to make us a more complete Christian. That teaching sounds good when you're on the outside of a trial, but the inside of a trial can be a little bit different, can it? Becoming a better Christian in the midst of a trial, it's a lot easier said than done. Frankly put, when you're in a trial, it just isn't that easy to navigate. But what if I told you that I can give you the answer that will help you to navigate any trial that comes into your life and even help you make the most out of the trial that's in your life. See, a lot of times we, we don't handle a trial in the right way simply because we don't ask the right questions. Too often we focus on the why and not on the how. God, why did you allow this to happen to me? I didn't ask for this disease. We're already struggling as it is, but now you've allowed me to lose my job. God, why did you let this happen? God, they were too young. Why did you take them from me? I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. I was serving you faithfully. And there are plenty of people in this world that couldn't give a single care about you. Why couldn't you give them this trial? Why couldn't you allow this in their life and spare me? God, why did you let this happen? I'm sure that many of us have asked that very question to God whenever we're going through a trial that we didn't ask for. God, why? The question that we need to ask is not why, but how or what. Lord, how can I best navigate through this trial so that you will be glorified and so that I will be made a more complete Christian? Or what do I need to do next to best navigate through this trial? The answer to how we can make the most of our trials is actually found right back in the book of James, James chapter 1. So if you would, turn there with me, grab your Bible, grab your smartphone, tablet, whatever you use, and uh, we'll, we'll supply the text on the screen as well. James chapter 1, and we'll pick up in verse number 5. It says in James 1 verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. I want to raise this question to you this evening. How can I best navigate through a trial, a trial that I didn't ask for? And I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer right up front. You can best navigate through a trial by asking God for wisdom on how to navigate through that trial. It says in verse 5 that those who lack wisdom in the midst of a trial can ask God for wisdom and it will be given to them. Let's talk about wisdom what it is, what it isn't. Wisdom here, it isn't the why 
on what goes on in every trial and in every situation. The wisdom he's talking about isn't a knowledge into God's mind that will tell you why something is happening. Right now I'm watching a documentary. It's about Michael Jordan. It's called The Last Dance. And it gives the viewer, the audience, uh, sports fans, a behind-the-scenes look of everything that went, or not everything, but a lot of things that went in uh, to making the 1998 Chicago Bulls season happen and, and the controversy and, and all of that good stuff. I love behind-the-scenes looks at things. But that isn't wisdom here. It, it isn't a behind-the-scenes look of what God is doing and why he is allowing a trial into your life. So if wisdom isn't the behind-the-scenes look at the why something is happening, then it must be the how or the what. How can I best navigate through this trial? What is my next step? You can liken wisdom to driving through the fog. And you can only drive and, and make turns and, and maneuver in such a way as far as your headlights will allow you to see. If you go through too fast through that fog, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get hurt. And actually in, in James chapter 3, you can find a list to run your decisions through as you're in the midst of a trial. In, in verse 15, it's not going to be on the screen, but in chapter 3 verse 15 says, This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. It's peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Wisdom is this. Okay, God, what is the next step that I need to take? Not tell me what you're doing here with this trial. Let me see why you're allowing this to happen. Notice he says in verse 5 the word if. If any of you lack wisdom. That doesn't mean that all who go through a trial are going to lack wisdom. My Nana uh, was just about a week ago, two weeks ago, was diagnosed with lung cancer. This will be her second time to be diagnosed with lung cancer in the last 10 years. And I called her the day that, or the day after that I got the text uh, notifying me and my family that, that she had been diagnosed with cancer again and they're going to have to, to start on treatments and, and so forth. So I called her the next day and I was, you know, just kind of approaching it real gingerly and, and wanting to be as soft as I could because, you know, it's, it's, it's probably a ginger moment in her life. And I said, Nana, how you doing? And just as open and honest as she could be, she was just joyful and, and happy and just same old Nana, doing good. I'm just taking this one day at a time. She, she literally told me, there's no reason to get bit out of shape with something that she can't control. But she's going to trust her doctors, and they're just going to take it one day at a time, one treatment at a time. Now, I know that not everybody responds to trials in their life that same way, and we all respond to trials differently. Whereas we might be level-headed and cool and calm and collected in one trial, there may be another trial in our life where we don't know what to do. And we don't know where to go next. And, and we just don't know how to properly navigate through that trial. But he says, if any of you do lack wisdom, and you just don't understand how to navigate through these things that are going on in your life, here's what you need to do. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God. James isn't spouting out some personal advice here. He's not giving his subject on the matter. No, through God's Spirit, He is giving us a divine 
command. Whenever we lack wisdom, whenever we don't know where to turn next in the midst of our trials, it says, ask God for wisdom. Just ask him. It's that simple. Our, tri- our trials are, are meant to deepen our prayer lives here. To ask in, in this verse, it means to cry out. It means to beg continually. Meaning you don't just ask for wisdom at the beginning of your trial and then stop. No, through the duration of your trial, you keep coming back to God over and over and over again, asking him continually, God, what's the next step? What do I do next? Where do I turn next? It's a continual asking and begging of God for wisdom. Charles Spurgeon said, the act of prayer is blessed. The habit of prayer is more blessed, but the spirit of prayer is most blessed of all. You see, trials are meant to develop in us a spirit of prayer where we are constantly going to God, asking him for help. We're not instructed to go to Facebook about our trials. We aren't uh, instructed to post a rant about our trials. We're not instructed to go to our friends first or to even our pastor and ask him, what do we do during this trial? No, but we're instructed to go to God first, asking him for wisdom on how to navigate through a trial. And here's what will happen when you ask God for wisdom. It says, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. When you have, when you're going through a trial and you don't know quite what to do, he says, ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you. He will tell you. He will show you what to do next. It says he will give it to them liberally. You see, God is just waiting to help you in your trial. That word liberally, it means bountifully. It means Openly, it means frankly, simply, meaning you won't miss it. He'll make it so clear to you that you cannot miss it. And on top of that, it says he upbraideth not. That means he won't make you feel like a dummy for coming to him for wisdom. He won't look down at you about it. He won't make you feel bad about asking him because you don't know what to do. He, he won't uh, condemn you or anything like that. Have you ever been working at a place and it's your first week or so on the job and your supervisor or your boss gives you a task to do and about 30 minutes into the task you have no idea what to do and so here's what I would do. I would just sit there and I would stare at the task hoping that maybe just maybe it would figure itself out and I wouldn't want to go to my boss or my supervisor because I wouldn't want them to think less of me. Or I wouldn't want them to think that uh, I'm not worthy of being an employee over uh, such a thing. That's not God. He's not going to make fun of you. He's not going to look down on you. He's not going to berate you. Nothing like that. No, when you come to him asking, God, I'm in a trial. I know you want to use this trial in my life, but I don't know what to do. Will you help me out here, God? He says, yes. I would love to help you out here. I will give you wisdom liberally. I'll make it open and simple to you on what to do next. So you can go to him confidently. Before we move on, I want to show you a few ways God may speak this wisdom into your life. Wisdom will show up when, number one, when you meet him in his word. 
As you diligently search God's word in the midst of your trial, God can speak to you and give you a principle or an insight that will help you take your next step in your trial. As we continue to sit under uh, the sound preaching of God's word, God will oftentimes give us the message we need right when we need it. I mean, how many times have you showed up to church, maybe there's a trial going on in your life, or, or maybe you're just discouraged about a certain situation, you didn't really want to be around people, but on that Sunday or that Wednesday, God gave you the exact message that you needed for that day and for that situation. How often does that happen? That happens a lot. God just gives you exactly what you need through the preaching of God's word. As you pray and ask God for wisdom, God will use people in your life to speak wisdom into you. God has guided me through many of my life's biggest decisions by using people in my life to speak wisdom into me. God will use people who have been through the same trial that you are in and have come out on the other side to speak wisdom into you and to help you in your trial. You see, God will use various ways of giving you wisdom in the trial that you are in, and all you have to do is ask. That's all you have to do. However, there is a catch. It says in verse 6 through 8 that wisdom will not be given to those who do not ask in faith. Look at verses 6 through 8 again. It says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We must ask for wisdom by faith. Meaning that our asking, our request must be backed by a genuine trust in God's character. In God's purpose for the trial even though we may not know it. In God's promises. Those who ask God for help and it be not in faith can expect nothing from the Lord. They won't get that wisdom in their Bible reading. They won't get that wisdom in the message on a Sunday morning. They won't get that wise counsel from a godly friend because they don't actually believe that God will do it. I wonder how much of our prayer simply goes unanswered because we don't believe God can actually work in our prayers. We ask God to Bring someone back to him. Maybe a backslidden sibling or a backslidden child or a friend. God, bring this person back to you. Bring this person back to church. But in the back of our minds, we think that that person is a lost cause. And that God could never actually bring them back. We ask God to fix our marriages. But later in the afternoon, we're telling our friend, oh, he'll never change. Oh, she'll never change. They'll always just be the same. We don't actually believe that God can work in that person's heart. And it's shown by how we react after our prayers. You pray for your kids that God would turn back their rebellious heart. But then you don't do anything to cultivate that rebellious heart. You just leave them to themselves. Here is no different. We pray for God's wisdom and help during a trial. But we don't actually believe he'll show up. So we just do our own thing. We just figure it out for ourselves. James says that Doubting people here, they're like waves of the sea. They're driven with the wind and tossed. What he's saying, there's, there's no consistency in them. There's no pattern in them. There's no pattern of trust in them. They just go from one end of the spectrum to the other, just back and forth. And there's no consistency. The only consistency is that they're inconsistent. Then he says this, he 
elaborates on verses six and seven by saying this. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Church, this is a rather dangerous place to be, to be a double-minded person. You see, a double-minded person claims to be a believer, but their actions show otherwise. A a double-minded person doesn't openly deny God, but lives in such a way and acts in such a way as if God doesn't exist. A double-minded person knows of God's word, but won't take the time to dive into God's word. The main problem with a double-minded person is that they are trying to serve two different gods. They say, I'll give lip service to the God I say I believe in, but I'm actually going to trust the God that I trust can handle this situation, which is usually ourselves, isn't it? You see, God, how, how do I navigate through this trial? God, I, I, I don't necessarily need to know the why of the trial or why you are allowing this to happen in my life, but how can I best navigate through this? And it's simple. You ask God for wisdom by faith, believing that the next time you open your Bibles or the next time that you show up at church or when you ask that godly friend or your pastor for advice or, or for counsel on a matter, that he'll actually show up and he'll actually give you the wisdom you need to take the next right turn in your trial. We must approach trials in the right way. That God wants to use those trials to, number one, get to himself glory, and number two, make us more complete Christians. So then we must not seek our own solutions or our own answers to those trials, but we must ask continually for God's wisdom to navigate trials in our life and show us what to do next. Remember, we're not talking about the whys here, but hows. It isn't God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? But God, how can I best navigate through this trial so that you will be glorified and so that I will be made a more complete and a more patient Christian? In the midst of a trial, don't lean on your own understanding, but ask for God's wisdom to navigate through it. So here's the question from earlier. How do we best navigate through a trial that we didn't ask for, we don't know why it's going on, but we just know that we're in the thick of it. How do we best navigate through that? Simple, simple answer. Ask God for wisdom and trust that he will give it to you. It says he'll give it to you liberally. It'll be abundant. It'll be open and simple. You cannot miss it if you ask for it in faith. Church, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us and your ability to help us out in trials and your ability to work in our lives in trials and to use trials to draw us closer to you and to develop us into better Christians and to work in our lives, God. And and I pray that, Lord, myself, my family, and our church family would trust you in the trials uh, that are in our lives, God, though we may not ask for them, we would obviously not ask for them, We don't want them in our lives, but God, we understand that you can use them, God. And we understand that if we'll simply come to you in faith and ask for your help, you'll give us wisdom at the next right turn, at the next uh, place that we need to go or do or say or or action we need to take in the midst of our trials. God, God, you are a God that will liberally supply anything we need uh, via wisdom in our life in the midst of a trial. 
Father, I thank you so much for the book of James and how practical it is. Lord, I pray that you would help us to believe your word and to trust your word and be doers of it. Lord, I love you and I thank you for your goodness. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.